Good morning, church family. And uh, in case you don't know who I am, I'm Joel Shoemate, and I want you to know without a doubt that I love Jesus with all my heart. I also want you to know that the man that you see standing here has been changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I stand amazed at what God continues to do in my life each and every day. I want to give God all the praise, honor, and glory in advance because what you hear coming out of my mouth and the person you see standing here is not Joel. It's God working through me. I want to thank uh, Jeff for preaching last week, and I want to thank Ridge for giving me the opportunity to preach today. Um, I don't think that most of us here at Memorial really understand how good a pastor we really have. Ridge is a great pastor. He is a disciple maker. He is an encourager. He has uh, changed me in the 13 plus years that I've been here and and uh, sat underneath him. And I am grateful to have a man of God like that in my life. <clears throat> you know, in the last month or so, I've had the great privilege and uh, opportunity to, to share the gospel with about 400 kids. And one of the tools that I used was an Evangicube. And uh, there you see a picture of one of the one of the different, as you go through the cube, one of the pictures that, that uh, I show the kids. And uh, as you can see, the top has a picture that represents heaven. And um, the middle part, you see a picture of Jesus reaching down to rescue us from our sin. And at the bottom, you see a picture that represents hell. Now, after explaining that the Bible says we spend eternity in one of two places when we die, I asked the kids, which one of the two places would you choose to spend eternity? I'll tell you something. I've shared the gospel all over the world with thousands of people. And no one, no one has ever picked hell. I've used this cube in countries all across the world and everyone always picks heaven. That's a good choice, but it's not an automatic choice and sometimes people think it is. But today we're going to talk about this place that everyone says they want to go when they die. Now to give you some idea about what people in the United States think a Barnard poll shows that 69% of the people in the U.S. say they're Christians. Now, you have to understand that that's really wide because a lot of people call themselves Christians from a lot of different religions that really aren't what we would consider Christians. But out of the 69%, only 74, only three-fourths of the people that say they're Christians say they believe in heaven. Now, if you take that and you break it all down, basically it says every other person that you meet does not believe in heaven. Doesn't believe it's a real place, doesn't, doesn't believe that there is a place called heaven. Now, we're busy with our everyday lives and with our everyday stuff. And we are consumed with our worldly worries and our worldly pleasures. And so we don't take time to slow down. 
We don't take time and we don't stop to think about where we're going to spend eternity. What the future of our state will be. Now, a lot of professing Christians, uh, they speculate and some wonder about heaven. Well, heaven is written about in the Bible. And if it were not true, then why would God have included it in his word? Why would he have put it there? Well, it's recorded for a reason. And I believe that that reason is to give us hope. Hope of an eternal future spent in a place so wonderful that it can't be described with words. A place so wonderful that it can't be described in words. John tried whenever he got a glimpse of heaven, but you have to understand if you see something you've never seen before, how do you describe it? Heaven is the place. It's a location. In Deuteronomy 26, 15, Moses is talking to God and he says, look down from heaven, you're a holy dwelling place. We refer to heaven as a place where God lives. Yes, God's spirit's here, here and we do feel it. Just as we feel the sun and the sun's 95 million miles away. God is real and is living in a real dwelling place. In Matthew 6, 9, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And he says, our father in heaven. Now notice he doesn't say on earth. He says, our father in heaven. In Revelation 21, 2, John says, I saw the holy city. And in John 14, 2, Jesus says, my, he's teaching the, uh, or talking about a, a place And he talks about my father's house has many mansions or rooms. And he says, if it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to go there to prepare a place for you? So Jesus is telling us about this place and he's saying it is true. Otherwise, I wouldn't have said it was. Jesus told us about this place. And he told him and he described it a mansion. He described a house. He described somewhere to live and. That's what he's preparing for us. You know, I believe God lives in a place that's as real as Temple, Texas. It's as real as Temple, Texas. Heaven is a place, this is great. Heaven is a place with no cemetery. No cemetery. Wow, just think about it. If there was a place or a city on this earth that had no cemetery connected to it, it would be a place where everybody would want to go. Not only that, but a city where there is no sin. Now that's a place where I want to go, amen? Amen. A place that has no sin. A city where sorrow is a stranger. Where tears never flow. Just think of the the sorrow and the tears in this congregation, in the hearts of the people in this congregation alone. No sorrow, no tears, no death. Wow, what a wonderful city. What a wonderful city. You know, John saw this city in the book of Revelation that I just described, and, but there was so, so much more. 
So this morning, if you open your Bibles to Revelation 21 and read with me. Revelation 21, starting in verse 18 and, and following, it says the wall was made of jasper. Now he's been describing this city and he's been talking about all kinds of stuff, but I want to focus right here. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold is pure as glass. The foundation of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth ten topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, and each gate in each gate made up of a single pearl. The great streets of the city was of gold as pure as transparent glass. Now I love this part. Even though it's gorgeous, I love this part. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city did not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of the Lord gives it light and the lamp is, excuse me, the lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their scepter into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut for there will be no night there. The glory and the honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will enter into it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Pray with me. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for the opportunity, God, to be together and worship in your house. God, we recognize you as God. You're the one true God. You're an awesome God. There's none like you. And we thank you that we have your word that describes this place that you prepared for us, this city that is so magnificent that only you could have created something this good. God, I pray that you'd open our eyes today so we can see. I pray that you'd open our ears so we can hear from you, not from Joel, but from you, Holy Spirit, as you speak into our hearts today. Give you thanks and give you praise and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. What a heavenly paradise. I mean, I just, you know, I can't wrap my mind around it. But that's not all. Eden is restored. And God's got more. God's got more for those those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Let's continue to read in chapter 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. As clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. And on each side of the river stood a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. 
Adam was driven out of this, out of the earthly paradise that God created, but the gates will never be shut, will never be shut in this heavenly paradise. Adam was tempted on earth in this earthly paradise, but we cannot be tempted in the heavenly paradise because the tempter, because Satan will not be there. He will be shut out. Amen. Can I get a praise the Lord? That's right. Satan will not be there. Wow. There's a lot of speculation about the distance between heaven and earth. We don't know just how far it is, but we do know this for sure. It is not so far that God cannot hear the prayer of a sinner. It has never a tear been shed here on earth that God has not seen. And there's never a sigh that God has not heard. Heaven is not nearly as far off as we think it is. So, who will be in this heaven, you ask? Well, thank you for asking. Let me just give you a little few people that will be there. You know, Scripture clearly tells us that God the Father will be there. Also tells us that the Father and Son there is one, so Jesus will be there. And Jesus prayed that the disciples might be where he was, might be with him, so the disciples will be there. In the book of Acts, we read the story of, of Stephen, and he's being stoned, and I believe that because of his testimony that Jesus welcomed him home. When Jesus could look up and see Jesus standing, excuse me, when Stephen could look up and see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, then heaven really isn't as far off as we think it is, is it? Now the big question is, is what makes heaven so great? What makes heaven so great? Well, you might be saying to yourself, well, Brother Joel, you've given us a picture of this really, really pretty place. It's beautiful, and this place called heaven, it's got jasper walls, it's got pearly gates, it's got streets of gold, and all that's nice, but why would I want to spend eternity there? Well, I'd like you to think with me for a minute, if you would, just for for a moment, I want you to think about the biggest house, the nicest house you've ever been into. And this house is huge and everything in it is just really fancy, really nice furnishings. And the grounds outside are just perfect. The trees are gorgeous. The grass is manicured. The, the flowers everywhere. Just everything's just beautiful. Would you like to live there? Well, maybe for a little while. But it's a long ways off. And no one I know even lives close. No one I know even lives anywhere nearby. So... Just imagine, if you continue to think about this, imagine the same place, but guess what? Your friends, your relatives, your family's close. Would that make a difference? Probably would. That's the way it is in heaven because it, heaven talks about your friends and family will be there, but most of all, the best friend you've ever had. The best friend you could ever ask for is going to be there in that would be Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Amen. Thank you very much. What would heaven be without the one who gave his life for you? What would heaven be like without Jesus Christ there, the one who died for you? 
What would it be like without the father who loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you? That's what makes heaven so attractive. Speaking of heaven, there was, a, there was this old man. He was laying in, his, in the bed and he was dying. He was suffering. He was in pain and he was in agony. And suddenly he smells the aroma of his favorite cookies coming from the kitchen downstairs. He gathers his remaining strength. He lifted himself up from the bed. He leans against the wall and he slowly makes his ways to the stairs. With great effort, he grips the stair railing and he starts down the stairs. Finally, he gets to the bottom of the stair and he leans against the door jam that goes into the kitchen and he gazes into the kitchen and he sees hundreds of his favorite cookies. They're all spread out on the counters and on the table and they're, they're there cooling. And he thought to himself, have I died and gone to heaven? Man, or is this a final act of love from my devoted wife of 60 years to make me happy as I leave this world? Mustering all his final strength, he throws himself towards the table, landing on his knees in a crumpled posture, and his lips are parched. The wondrous taste of his favorite cookies is Oh man, already in his mouth. And it brings him back to life. His trembling, aged, and withered hand reaches for the cookie on the edge of the table when it was suddenly smacked with a spatula by his wife. Back off, she said, those are for the funeral. Watch it. So who else is going to be in heaven? We're told that angels are in heaven. No, no fallen angels. But those who are pure and holy. The angels live in a place where everything is perfect. Truth is all there is in heaven. There's no lies. There's no deception. There's no fraud. So... Can you imagine how Gabriel felt when Zechariah doubted his word concerning the birth of John the Baptist? You know the story. Zechariah, he, he, and Elizabeth, they were old and they were childless, but they were faithful and they prayed for a child. An angel shows up and tells Zechariah that his wife is going to have a son and they're to call him John. Zechariah says, how can I be sure of this? How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. But here's the deal. Gabriel had never been doubted. And, 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 and Gabriel says, I am Gabriel and I stand in the presence of God. So here's Joel's condensed version. You see, Zechariah was a priest, so he should have known better. He should have known better than to doubt, but guess what? None of us are exempt from being a knucklehead from time to time, amen? Don't be pointing fingers, don't be 
laughing at your, at your neighbor, okay? But we're all knuckleheads at one time or the other. So here's Zechariah, and, and he had just received some really great news, and he says, I don't believe it. And then he says, I want some proof. So Gabriel says, here's your proof. How about fix this so you can't talk? Bam! Now do you believe I'm an angel? Now do you believe me? That's the way it is. Some people want proof. They want some more evidence besides the Bible. They want some other evidence that God's word is true. Here's the deal. God said it, and that settles it. Period. God said it, and that settles it. So you think you're real smart, you're better than God, you, you know more? Go outside, pick up a handful of dirt, and speak life into it. That ain't going to happen. But God can do that. Others that are going to be in heaven, how about the saints who have died in Christ? They'll be in heaven. Those who have gone before us and those we read about in the scriptures. Matthew 17. I'm going to read four verses. Matthew 17, starting in verse 1. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured. That's Jesus. He was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Peter had never met Moses or Elijah. But he knew both of them and he called them by name. I believe we will know and we will be known in heaven. There will be people walk up to you that you've never seen before and they will know you. They will know you. And you will know them. I believe the Bible makes it clear that once you have asked Jesus into your heart, you have eternal life. John three thirty six says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. It does not say you will have eternal life. But present tense, has. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. So when you die, the undertaker doesn't bury eternal life. That's impossible, folks. There's not a coffin big enough to hold eternal life. Eternal life cannot and does not ever end. It cannot die. Jesus overcame death, and if we have Jesus inside us as believers then how, can, how is death going to touch that? How is death going to touch that? To be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord, according to the Bible. When the thief on the cross said to Jesus, remember me, Jesus said, 
Today you will be with me in paradise. When our time on earth is finished, we will close our eyes. And we will open them in heaven. And that will happen in the twinkling of an eye. We've talked a bunch about heaven this morning. And I'm going to, as I wrap this up, I'm going to ask you all to do something for me. And, I'm, and I'm, it's not just for me, it's for those around you. I'm going to ask no one to leave because God's not finished here today. No talking to your friend, no zipping your Bible, no moving around. As the worship team comes back up, I'm going to ask everyone to bow your head and close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you to listen to what I'm going to say. But most of all, I'm going to ask you to listen to the Holy Spirit. Because God knows you. And as God speaks to you, I want you to listen to what he has to say. You know, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. And I'm positive that no one here wants to mess up someone else's day of salvation. So please be respectful to others around you and listen to what God is saying. Lord, we love you and praise you, and we thank you that we have a God that loves us. We love you, and we thank you that we have a God that provided a way so we could have a place in heaven when we die. And heaven is a real place. Heaven is a place where you live, God, and is a place where you dwell. It is a place that we all long for. When our time here on earth is done, and we go to be with you in a place called heaven, how wonderful What a day that will be. God, as we continue, I pray that you would move in this place. Holy Spirit, you'd have free reign and and, uh, Satan, you'd be bound from this place. I pray that everyone would focus on you and not tomorrow, not the next minute, not the friend next to them, but God, on you and what you are going to say and what you're going to do in the next few moments. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. You may be here today and you're not absolutely sure you're going to go to heaven when you die. That's okay, but it doesn't have to stay that way. It doesn't have to stay that way. I personally know without a doubt that I am going to go to heaven when I die. I'm positive about that. And it's not because of anything that I've done. But it's because... I know Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I don't know about Jesus. I know Jesus. And there's a huge difference between the two. If you don't know Jesus, you come this morning and I'll introduce you to my best friend. Maybe here today and you say, well, I'm too old to get saved. That's a bunch of baloney. I was over 50 when God spoke to me and I got saved. There's nowhere in the Bible that says you need to get saved by age 9 or 19 or 29 or 59 or 109. God's calling you. 
Maybe you're too bad. No, that's not, that's, that's, that's not true. See, here's the deal. A sin's a sin. The Bible says we all fall short of the glory of God because we've all sinned. Sin is not numbered. Just because you've said a lie, you go, it's no big deal. It, it's sin. You might as well have went and robbed the bank because in, in God's book, they're equal. Sin's a sin. And we all fall short of the glory of God. Maybe you could say, well, you know, I'm going to go to heaven because I'm good. I've done good things. I, I, I grew up in the church. I, I, I give every month. You know, it's like, that's a lie right straight from hell. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, by grace you are saved. By grace you are saved. It's not a, it's a free gift. It's not of works lest any man should vote. See, Jesus Christ came and died for your sin. He did not come and die for no reason. He came and died because he had to, because that's the only way to take care of sin problem. And Jesus made it clear. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And he said, no man comes to the Father except through me. There's no other way to get to heaven except through Jesus Christ. Don't let your pride be the thing that keeps you from accepting Jesus. Maybe you're saved and you've never been baptized. Baptism tells the rest of the world what happened in your heart. Come and we'll talk about being baptized. Maybe you're here today and you say, well, I've been coming to Memorial for a long time, but I've never joined. Why are you waiting? This is a good place to be plugged in. This is a good place to serve God. This is a God's family working together, making a difference around the world. You come and you join and we'll work together for God's kingdom. Maybe you say, you know what? I'm saved, but I'm just not living for heaven. There's a guy named Paul in the Bible. Everybody knows who he is. He lived for heaven. He strived every day to be the best he could for Christ. He didn't stop going to these different places, even though he knew that when he walked in that city, they may kill him, they may stone him, they may do all kinds of stuff to him. Matter of fact, he went to Rome. He knew he was going to die there. It's like we let, we let, other, we let everything in the world come in the way. We don't live for heaven. We don't live for Christ. Sometimes there's not a difference between the Christians and the people in the world. The Bible says you're a new creation. The Bible says you're not the same person anymore. Maybe you'd like to rededicate your life today. Maybe you're here today and you just want to pray. The altar's open. You want somebody to pray with? I'll pray with you. Whatever God's putting on your heart today, I'm going to ask you to respond to what God says. Not to what you say, but to what God says for your life. As the worship team leads, you come. Would you stand with me, please?